What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Hey, today I want to talk about the drive inside, the drive inside. And I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking about what happens inside of us. And uh, to start off, I have some cornhole bags. Does anybody know what cornhole is? Anybody play cornhole? Raise your hand if you play cornhole. All right, good. It's basically you have a bag like this, and you throw it into this on this piece of wood, and it goes inside the hole. Your object is to get more points than the other team, and that's the game. So I learned a couple things just recently, and these are pastor's bags, so uh, I can't mess them up. But there's two sides to these. There's the tacky side, and then there's the smooth side because you want a little bit more action. I didn't know that, so I'm going to get a lot better now that I know that. So that's something that I just learned. But Why am I bringing these bags up here? Because of Shane and Michaela, okay? They're not here right now. They they go to another church, but they're not here right now. But they are really good at cornhole. Have you ever had a buddy that is good at everything? Like he doesn't lose or she doesn't lose anything. Like every time you play a game, every time you do something, they're always winning. I'm not that guy, so I'm a little bitter right now. But Shane is that guy. He could be playing basketball. He could be playing Monopoly. He could be playing whatever he's playing. He wants to win. He's really good at it. And he's good at cornhole. So the first time we would play, he would spot me like eight points. You know, I feel good about myself because I'm struggling. I got eight points. And then immediately bury me. It's like 21 to nothing or 21 to eight before I even know what happens. So I thought to myself, well, I can't beat Shane, but I could beat Michaela. She's only 13, right? You could beat a 13-year-old girl, can't you, Rocky? So I play Michaela. Unfortunately, Michaela smoked me too. I have never been able to beat them. I have n- I've tried and I tried and I tried. And I tell Michaela, one of my goals is to beat you at cornhole. I want to beat you so bad at cornhole. That's my only goal in life. I tease her because I have more goals. But I'm like, that's my only goal in life is to beat you at cornhole. And that's a drive that I have. Whatever you think of that drive, that's a drive that I have. You could be like, that's a little misguided, but that's okay. My goal, one of my goals in life is to beat a 13-year-old at cornhole. So I want to ask you today, what drives you? What drives you? Where are you going? If somebody asked you, come up here and share your word, share your, your, your testimony, share about your life. Where are you going? What would you be able to say? What would you say, this is where I'm going, this is why I'm going there, and this is how I'm going to get there? What drives you? What moves you? What motivates you? Colossians 2, 1 through 2, this is powerful because these are Paul's words. I want to read what he says. I want you to know how much I have agonized. Think about that word, agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan 
which is Christ himself. Paul agonized. Think about that word, agonized. He, he prayed for, he cared so much about the church. He said that I would lose sleep to see that people in the church are doing what they're supposed to be doing, going where they're supposed to be going. He cared so much about the church. That was, that was what drove him. You know how many books of the New Testament he wrote? Thirteen. 13. We wouldn't even have a New Testament except for, for the, the Gospels and a couple other things if Paul didn't write 13 of those books. That's a drive. That's a desire. That's a focus. That's a, a, a call in his life that drove him somewhere where most people would never want to go. So I want to ask you, what do you wake up every morning saying, this is what I'm going to do? Some of us wake up in the morning and barely get to work suffering the whole way because it just sucks the life out of us. Does that explain anybody? You don't need to raise your hand. But there's some of us that just hate our lives, right? We hate our jobs. We hate everything about it. And, and God's saying, I have made you, listen, so much more than the job you do that the people that you hang around with, that the word you hear in your life, I have made you for so much more. Desire me with all your heart. Desire me with all your soul. Desire me with everything within you and see what I can do in your life. That's what should be driving you every morning. That's what should be pushing you every morning. As I read these, these passages today, I want you to think of these three words. And they're going to be up on the screen. The first one is drive. <coughs> These are all where all things start, the drive inside your heart, the drive inside your spirit. And your drive leads to thoughts. What did you think about when you woke up this morning? Some of us just think about, what am I going to eat? Where am I going to get dressed? Where, you know, so what, what thoughts are in your heart? And then we have this other word, intentions. Everybody say intentions. That wasn't good enough. Say intentions. Intentions. That's better because we, we have to intend to say that word. Intentions. This is where a lot of us get hung up. Raise your hand if you've ever worked out at a gym. Okay? Raise your hand if you've intended to work out of a gym, out of, at a gym, but you never made it there. A lot of us are there, right? So we have good intentions, but if we never follow through, nothing actually ever happens. We can have a drive. We can have good thoughts. We can have good intentions. But if we don't do the last one, which is what? Actions, nothing ever happens, right? You can intend to do something, but if you never do it, it's never going to take place in your life. That's where the rubber meets the road is where the actions happen in your life, and you actually what? do something, right? So many people intend to do something. You just want to push them along and say, let's go. I teach sixth grade at uh, uh, middle school, and I have to walk to my classroom to my duty, which is the bus, where the buses come or whatever. It doesn't matter. So as I'm walking, I'm walking behind these middle schoolers, and they, I feel like they're walking through molasses. I don't even know how they could walk that slow. It's like, can we move a, li can we move a little quicker? Why? They don't have any drive. They don't have any motivation. They don't have something that's pushing them. They're just kind of walking through life. And that's what I feel sometimes. A lot of people just walk through life like that, where there's nothing pushing them, and they're just kind of making it through life. I have to say, guys, I got to get to my duty, because there's a thousand of them, you know, we're all going the same place. I'm like, get out of my way, because I got to go. 
When you have drive in your life, you're going to push some things out of the way because you got to get there, right? You're going to be slowed down, but you're going to say, hey, look, I'm going to push those things out of the way because I have somewhere to go. You need to have somewhere to go. I want to talk about three things that really drive me. First of all, I have the drive to beat Michaela. Small drive, but it's a drive. So what should I be thinking? How uh, I should be thinking about how to be better at cornhole. And then my intention should be maybe to practice, and my action should be what? To actually practice. So I need to do those things. That My next one is to be a good teacher. I've been teaching now for eight years, wait, no, longer than that, 12, 13 years. And I want to be a better teacher. So I should think, what, how to be a better teacher? I intend to take some classes, so I have two master's degrees. I'm not bragging, it just happened. And you know what, the cool thing is, I didn't pay for those, they just, uh, the Lord, I call it the Lord's favor. I got two master's degrees, I didn't have to pay for those. I did those, and the action is actually accomplishing those. You can intend to go to college but never graduate, right? Some of you, don't raise your hand. But some of you have intended to do lots of things where you never actually did it. But I wanted to do it, and my actions showed me how to do it, and I actually did it. And the last one is my, my life mission. My life mission is to impact as many people as possible to help them find and accept Christ. So what am I thinking about? How I can help people come to Jesus? What are my intentions? Witnessing and sharing my faith. And what do I do? I be, I'm a good person. I, I, I'm a good friend. I want to witness to them. I want to invite them to church. I want to help them in their walk with being a, a, their Christian walk. I want to lead them to Christ, right? Those are my actions. Now, I could list many of those things, and hopefully you can list many of those things. And, and I, I know the one with Michaela is silly, but there's many that I could put down on this list that would drive me every morning to wake up and go do something. you got to be driven. You could either be left behind or you can be really forceful going ahead of everything, everybody else leading the pack. So recently we went to Puerto Vallarta. It was really nice. And I laid on the beach a lot and it was a lot of fun. So one time we went to, we did this, we did this excursion where the first part of the excursion was to ride a mule. Raise your hand if you rode a mule. I didn't think so because I never did either. I never even rode a horse, all right? So I don't even like horses. I'm sorry if any horses are listening. I don't. I mean, they're, they're scary. <coughs> they're big, and they seem like they could kick me and, and bite me. So I don't even, yeah, I might ride them now. But so we're standing there, and there's like 15 of us, and there's a bunch of mules, and they bring the mules out. And Rachel, who's sitting in the front row, is not very tall, small, petite. She gets a tiny little mule. It wasn't very big. It was just a tiny little guy. And so then they brought my mule out, and my mule wasn't much bigger, but it was bigger. And so we start going, and there were people that left and going up this hill. And the guy who was directing us said, your mule knows exactly where to go. It's got GPS. It's going to go right up the hill. I was like, okay, I guess that's true. So the mules all start going up this hill. And my mule was like, I want to be the line leader. I want to get there first. And he starts passing everybody. And I'm getting nervous because, like I said, I've never ridden a horse. My mule's going 1,000 miles an hour. I'm going, whoa, buddy, whoa, buddy. I don't think he understood English, and he wasn't stopping. But Rachel's mule, <laughs> the little guy, are they all guys? I don't think so. There's girl mules. There's another whole story. I don't understand the mule, but there's that's a whole other story. So... <laughs> Her mule decides 
he needs something to eat. So he's, he's sitting there eating. He's taking his time. He's doing his business. He's just going up the hill, like just wandering up the hill. My, I, I, as I'm passing Rachel, here's, her mule's just sitting over here doing something, not, not moving at all. That's how we do life sometimes, isn't that true? Where, where, where you see some people are so driven and you're like, how do they accomplish so much? Because they're going somewhere and they're not just sitting around watching and waiting and hoping and pretending like something's going to happen. They actually do it. My mule wanted to be first. At the end, he kind of slowed down and we didn't make it first. I know that's a sad story, but... Everybody, there was a couple mules that got there before us, and I'm like, what's wrong now, buddy? Let's go. Another whole story. But in life, we can either sit there and slow down and stop and wait and, and, and hope and, and, and just maybe, or we can just go for it. Amen? Today, I want us to go for it. Find something in your life that is going to push you. Find something that is going to motivate you and just go for it. Go in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. That's in the Old Testament. If you have a phone, it's really simple because you hit on 2 Kings chapter 5. Download that version Bible app. It's so good. It's so helpful. And it allows us to get to the scriptures quickly. I'm going to talk about five people. And as, as I read about these five people, I want you to put yourself in one of those places, one of those people. Look at your life and say, who do I most resemble? Okay? Two are bad. Three are okay, all right? So if you put yourself in the bad, we can pray later. But there's two that are not so good and three that are good, okay? So put yourself in those positions and say, who do I mostly resemble? And you know what in life I say? Be honest, because if you're not honest with yourself, you're never going to be able to change, amen? You need to be honest with yourself. You can't just go through life pretending to be somebody else. You need to be who you are and be honest with what, who, who you are and who God tells you you are. First verse says this, the king of Aram had great admiration for Nahum, but the commander, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aaron, Aram great victories. And I want to say up front, those victories, a lot of them were against the nation of Israel, okay? So now we're talking about a foreign country and a foreign king. The Lord had given Aram great victories, but though Nahum was a mighty warrior, he suffered from what? Leprosy, okay? Now, if you're going to suffer from something, leprosy is pretty bad. When you had leprosy back in the day, and there, uh, it's we don't see it a lot today, but back in the day when you had leprosy, you couldn't come into a room and just sit there. You had to tell everybody, I have leprosy, and you had to, you had to isolate yourself, and you couldn't, be around, you couldn't be around people. But this person had leprosy, and he was the commander of, the, of an army. He was the commander of the Aram army. Your condition sometimes is not the best. Your condition might not be exactly where you want it to be. It might not even be your fault, but it's what's happening to you. You can't just go through life and say, I'm going to be depressed because of what happened to me. This man had leprosy, but he was still a great warrior. Some of us are just so down and we're so frustrated, we don't even try to do anything because we say, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never going to be able to accomplish anything. He had leprosy, and he was still the commander of the army. Verse 2 says this. At this time, Aramean raiders, everybody say raiders. 
not the Las Vegas Raiders, but Raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been, been given to Nahum's wife as a, as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. All right, so we have this girl who was taken from Israel, and now she's where? In Aram, and she's like, I wish my master would go see who? The prophet. Person number one is Nahum. What issue did he have? He had leprosy, but he was a great warrior. He was commander of the army. Person number two is this young girl who knew her God, right? She said, I wish, think, look at the confidence that she has. I wish that he would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. She didn't say, well, I think there's a possibility that Nahum would get his healing. I think maybe if he went to see this prophet, she's like, no, send, go see this prophet because I believe if you go see this prophet, you are going to receive your healing. Church, you serve a powerful God, and you need to know that you can receive a healing, that people around you can receive a healing, that... <laughs> Sorry, that those that are in your life can receive a healing, and you need to trust the Lord that he's going to be able to do something in your life. Don't underestimate the power of God. Sometimes we stop and we say, I'm not really sure. She didn't hesitate. Go, why doesn't he go and see the prophet? Because the prophet would heal him. The prophet would heal him. Verse number four. So Nahum told the king what the young girl from Israel said. Go and visit the prophet, he, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Nahum started out carrying as gifts, listen to this, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. Don't try to calculate that or you'll go crazy, but at $1,800 an ounce today, how much is that? And... Then we have 10 garments of, uh, 10 clothing, garments of clothing. I don't know where that came from. So you have all this money and this clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant, servant, servant Nahum. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. The girl told him to go where? See the prophet. Where are they sending him? To the king, right? Why? Why are we going to go to the king? The king is not the healer. Who's the healer? Ultimately, God. But the prophet, through God, can do the healing. But we're sending him to the king because we don't want to go just to the prophet. We need to go to the prestigious king, and the king is going to help us find the prophet and all this other stuff. Instead of just going to the source, they tried to go around the source and say, let's go to the king first. Isn't it amazing that these people, these Arams, Aramites, Arameanites, I don't even know how to say it, Aram people, they took the land. They were fighting Israel. They were capturing people. They were bringing them back to Aram. But then they felt like, hey, we need a healing. Go see them. They're like, could you do that? Would you be fighting with somebody and say, oh, go, go to the na our neighbor who we've been fighting for the last six months and ask him for $100? You know, that's what it's like. You're not going to go to somebody that you're fighting with and ask him for something. But they did. They felt like they could. And so now he's leaving, and he's going to see who? He's going to see the king. 
the king is not going to be able to do anything. Who's going to be able to do something? The prophet. The prophet is going to be able to do something. Verse number seven. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal somebody with leprosy? We're not asking you, king, we want the prophet. I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Remember, they're at odds with each other. So he thinks that this, this, this group is coming just because this group wants to pick a fight with him. He starts tearing his clothes. I don't understand that. There's a lot of times in Scripture where they start tearing clothes. Just weird. But they, they, that's one way that they showed that they're not happy right now. Now, Joram is the name of the king. Does anybody know who Joram's parents were? If you were in the first service, you're not allowed to answer. Okay. Joram's parents were Ahab and Jezebel. Okay. Ahab and Jezebel. If you're having kids, I said in the first service, if you're going to have kids, don't name your kid Jezebel. <coughs> Jezebel. I'll take some of that water. Thank you so much. Jezebel was not a good person, right? It, it, we see in Scripture that they had to destroy Jezebel because she was just a bad person. Well, Joram's parents were Ahab and Jezebel. So when the king heard, when this person came to him, he didn't even have a reference of God because his parents were evil. Ahab and, and Jezebel were evil people. She killed over, uh, over 700 prophets. She hated the prophets. She destroyed the prophets. They were evil people. Our hearts determine what we're able to do, right? If we're continually walking down a path of evil, going down a path where we shouldn't be going, doing things that we shouldn't be doing, and then try to do something good, it just doesn't work. The Bible says that good can't come from a, good can't come from a bad spring. It just does. It's not going to happen. We keep doing things that we shouldn't be doing, and then try to do good things, and it just doesn't work. We need to make a decision and say, I'm going to go the way God wants me to go instead of the way the world wants me to go. He could not make a good decision because he didn't have good upbring, upbringing to help him with this decision. Amen? He was not able to. His parents were evil. If you want to read about that, read the, read the Second Kings and a bunch of chapters before that and find out about Ahab and Jezebel. Just not good people. It'll be up on the slides. Your internal drive determines what you value, and your value guides what you do. Your internal drive, what's inside of you will determine what you value, and those values will drive you every single day. When you do things, it's because of what you know, what you read, what you put in your mind, and what you're driven towards. You want to, get, you want to grow as a Christian, but you don't want to do the things to grow as a Christian. If you want to move on in life, you got to do the things to help you move on in life. Like I talked about earlier, if I wanted to be a better teacher, I couldn't just sit around and say, maybe I'll be a better teacher. No, I actually had to sign up for the classes, take the classes, and pass the classes in order to be a better teacher. Same way in life. If I want to win more people to the Lord, I can't just pretend or I can't just say I'm going to try. I need to actually do something and put those things in my heart that are positive. Joram couldn't make a good decision because he was driven by those values that weren't very good, that were terrible. Verse 8 says this, but Elisha, oh man, I love this part. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, 
he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Nahum to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Amen. So Nahum went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. This is funny. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. All right, think about this for a moment. This is great. So we have a knock on the door. Um, is Elisha in there? Is the prophet in there? I got gold. I got silver and clothes, okay? I got lots of stuff. And Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. Is he disrespecting the commander from Aram? I don't know. I wouldn't even like the commander from Aram because he keeps on attacking us. I don't even know what Elisha was thinking. This guy's not good. He sends out the messenger and says, go tell him, dip in the river seven times, and you'll be clean. And that's good, right? That's not a bad thing. Go do this, and it will be well. I just think it's funny that he didn't even have the, the willingness to go out and meet him, but he just sent the messenger. That's so great. This guy comes from Aram, goes to the king, has all this stuff, thought he was going to get the royal treatment, and he gets the messenger. You are not going to get everything that you want. Can I say that again? You're not going to get everything that you want in the way that you think exactly you should have it. Right? We're not two-year-olds that just throw a tantrum every time something happens because we don't get it our way, or at least we shouldn't be like that. God does things differently for everybody. You might be sitting there saying, I'm 35 years old and I'm not married yet. I thought I'd be married by now. Why am I not married? I should be married. What's going on in my life? When God is saying, why don't you go and do what I've called you to do and serve the world? Because the Bible says that a single person is more value than a married person because they are devoted to God and not their spouse. He says that they, they can do lots of things. Why don't you go down that path and do what God has called you to do? And I guarantee you, not really, I can't guarantee but I promise, I don't even know if that's a good word, but I hope that you will find somebody because God really wants you to have your desires, right? He says that as we're following him, it's amazing what will happen. If we keep complaining about it and saying, why me, why me, nothing is ever going to happen. We need to say, Lord, even though it's not done my way, I'm still going to trust you and I'm going to keep moving forward. Verse 11 says this, but Nahum became angry and stalked away. There's the two-year-old stalking away. And listen to this. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. I, I brought money and clothes. I thought he'd come see me. I expected him to wave his little wand, I mean hand, over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Ar 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 Abana, and the far, far better than any of the rivers here in Israel. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Nahum turned and went away in rage. And do you know anybody that acts like that? If you're sitting next to him, don't nudge him right now, okay? Do you know anybody that acts like that? I'm not getting my way. I'm, things aren't going my way. I'm going to just be sad and stalk away. I thought he was going to come out and wave his hand over. What? Sounds like a Harry Potter thing is like, you know, what is going on there? He told you what to do. Just go do it. 
No, I'm going to stock away because it wasn't done my way. I got a lot of money, 750 pounds of gold. It's going to happen my way. Just because you have stuff, just because you think you have some kind of authority, doesn't mean that you could tell God how to do what God is going to do, right? We need to allow God to do it. We can't tell him what he should be doing. I, I, I love that how some people pray, not asking God, but they tell God, God, it should be like this. No, we need to say, God, if it's your will, I pray that this would happen. Not, I want it to happen this way, but Lord, may it happen this way. Let's pray that it happens this way. Not, God, please do it this way, right? We tell God instead of asking God sometimes. Let's continue reading. Oh, wait, I got one more. Driven by rage, we will always, always miss the blessings of God. Doing what he says will drive us back to him. I'm going to read that again. Driven by rage, we will almost always miss the blessings of God. Doing what he says will drive us back to him. Verse 15 says, Then Nahum and all his attendants went back. Wait, I missed something. Hold on. Pause. Pause right there. Okay. Went away in rage. Verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Nahum went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. That's awesome. When he listened to God, things happen. Here's the cool part. I love when people finally get to the point in their lives where they're done running, they're done complaining, they're done yelling, they're done stalking away, they're done sulking, and they turn to Jesus. Amen? And they go to him. That's just a great time. Jonas in the belly of the well said, I mean, if I was in a well, I'd probably say this too. Lord, I know who you are now. I want to start serving you. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. God comes to him, and he says, okay, God, now I know who you are, and I'm going to go your way. That is a great moment where we say, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I don't think it should be this way, but I'm going to try. Amen? I hope today, if you don't know Jesus, and maybe you're sitting there, and you're stubborn like I was. It took me forever I went to church for six, seven months. I would not, back in the day, we used to all come forward and the pastor used to pray for us. I, I wouldn't go forward. I, I just was like, I'm not doing it. I'm good. I'm good. And then one day I said, you know what? I am not good. And I went and accepted Jesus, and it's been the best day of my life. I hope you're not sitting there stubborn saying, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. No, you say, I'm going to give God a chance. I'm going to go after God and see what God is going to do in your life. You go God's way, you're never going to be wrong. You go God's way, this day, are everything going to be perfect? No, but you're going to do what he called you to do, and you're going to keep going down that path, path and you're going to see some incredible blessings in your life. Amen? Amen. Verse 15. Then Nahum and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Oh, I love the point in life where people realize that God is who he is. Amen? And there is no other God. 
science, I said I was a science teacher, and I have to go through these classes that drive me bazonkos, but they're, they're, people are trying to figure out how did we get here. People are trying to figure out how life is sustained. People are trying to figure out why this, why that. And it always comes down to we know everything else, but we can't figure out this one little part, how, all it's, how it's all held together. And I want to raise my hand every time and say, I know how it's all held together. It's held together by Jesus Christ, who says he is all in all in everything. We try to think of everything else except the true fact that Jesus is who he is, that God is who he is, and we're following him. Amen? so good. Verse 15, then Nahum and all his attendants went back to, I already said that, so please accept the gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I've served, I will not accept any gifts. And though Nahum urged him to take the gifts, Elisha refused. Elisha's a prophet, okay? Elisha has probably 50 prophets under him. These 50 prophets needed money, they needed substance. They needed to live. And at this point, I'm sure Elisha, now he's outside the house. I think it's funny how he's outside the house now. But we're talking to Elisha. And he said, I refuse. It would have helped, right? Would have been okay. Could he have taken some of it? Yeah, he could have took some of it. But he said, I trust God more than I trust your stuff. I don't know if he thought it was dirty. I don't know if he thought maybe I shouldn't. But he said, I refuse. I trust God more than I trust what you're trying to give me. And that church is a pure heart. That is a heart that is leaning on the Lord instead of leaning on everything else that we see around us. Right? Some of us are so caught up in this and that and what we're going to make and how we're going to make it and what we're going to do. I think God is just telling all of us, trust me. Trust me. Elijah trusted the Lord, and the Lord blessed Elisha. So he refused. He said, no, I'm not going to take any of your gifts. I don't want them. Thank you. You got the healing. Go back to Aram, and please don't attack us anymore. No, he didn't say that. It's amazing how many times they attacked him even after this. But he said, I'm done. Go away. Good. But Gehazi, wait, not Gehazi. Gehazi, that's how I said. The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. What do you think Gehazi was driven by? Money, greed, something. He saw the gold, he saw the silver. He saw the clothes, and he's like, I'm going to go and get something. You will, you will be driven by what's in your heart. Like I said earlier, those values in your heart will continually drive you. Elisha was driven by serving God. He refused that money. Gehazi says, I got to go get some. I got to go get some. Why? I don't know. He just wanted some. He takes off and goes. He goes. He gets it. He brings it back. Elisha said, I saw you, this is pretty, I'm, I'm, it's not on, I don't have it up there, but this is what Elisha tells him. I saw you when you were talking to uh, Nahum, and you got those things. And here's what Elisha told him. Now, Nahum's leprosy will rest on you for the rest of your life. Ouch is right. 
Greed drove him to get some stuff, and that stuff caused him to have leprosy for most of his life. Think about that. Our drives, our passions, our desires, if they're not focused and, 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 and driven towards God, could bring us down places that we don't want to go, and then we get messed up and we're hurt and, and our family has left us and we have nothing, and we think, how did I get here? Because we let some little thing, like 150 pounds of gold, which is not a little thing, but some money, greed, cause us to suffer. We need to start serving Jesus and say, Jesus, we're going to trust you. We're going to hold on to you. Is stuff bad? No, stuff is never bad. And stuff is only bad when the stuff holds us, when the stuff keeps us, when the stuff brings us down. We need to constantly keep saying, God, we want to go after you. We want to keep serving you. We want to keep on loving you. So Gehazi I had this leprosy now for the rest of his life. Your thoughts and intentions drive your direction. But it is your actions that determine your destiny. Think about this for a moment. Gehazi, I thought about going. He intended to go. If he would have stopped right there, things would have been good, right? He took the next step and he actually acted. Some of you right now, this last week, you had good intentions. And maybe somebody came in your life and said, let's go do this. If you stopped right there, it would have been something good. You took that next step. Remember I said earlier, those intentions could drive you to something good. Those intentions can also drive you to something bad. And I want to help you this morning. If what's driving you is driving you away from God, driving you into the pit, driving you down somewhere where you don't want to go, you need to say, God, I'm done with that. And I want to do something differently. And I don't want to be driven by those things. I want to be driven by things that serve you, that honor you, that lift you up, that praise you. Amen? The greed is not, the, the money was not the bad thing. The, the part that was bad is it was came from a greedy spirit. Money's never bad. It's only bad when the money has us, when the money controls us. And all we do is work for it instead of allowing it to work for us. That's when it becomes bad. I don't want to end on a sour note because God is always a God of what? Redemption, right? God is always a God of restoration. God loves us so much. If you're sitting here today and you've messed up, church, I've been around the Christian church for 30 years, maybe 35 years. I know I don't look that old, but it's been a long time. And there have been times where I'm sitting in service and I'm like, I've really messed up. It's okay. Start today. Allow God to do something today. You might be sitting here and things are perfect in your life and you're like, man, I just, I want to go deeper. Go deeper. Don't, don't live in condemnation. Live in restoration. Live in where God wants you to go instead of where you've been. Listen to this. 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Long story short, the Arameans come back again, take over the land. There's a famine for seven years. These are not good people, and Elisha helped them anyways. That's okay. So they come in, famine for seven years. This lady that Elisha helped had to leave, and now she's coming back. And let me read what happens when she comes back. At the end of the seven years, 
She came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. The king was talking to who? Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And it said, tell me about all the great things Elisha has done. It doesn't say he was talking to Gehazi, the man who had leprosy, does it? It doesn't say he's talking to Gehazi, the person who was greedy. It doesn't say he was talking to Gehazi who couldn't control himself and had to run after money. Who's he talking to? The servant of God. I don't know if the leprosy left him there. I don't know if maybe he was healed. I don't know what condition he was in in his physical body. But I know his spiritual body was good because he was sitting there talking to the king, telling him all about Elisha. I don't know what drives you. I don't know where you've been. I don't know how long you've been in church or maybe how short you've been in church. All I know is that God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants, you to, he wants to bring you to a new place. He wants the, you to go somewhere so much further than you are right now. But he has to change something in your life in order to get you there. Even me. I'm not saying, I'm not pointing at you and saying, I don't need to change. We all need to change something. If you're sitting in here and you've never, beca- you've never accepted Christ, today you need to change that. Okay? Like I said, it took me forever. But I had to make that choice. When I was 17, I made that choice. You can make that choice today. You might be older than 17. That doesn't matter. God is looking at you and saying, today is your day. Go ahead and close your eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I see that little girl that was driven by serving God. I see Nahum who had leprosy, but that leprosy was healed. God, I see the king who was driven by that evilness in his heart. Father, then there's Elisha who knew you, who loved you, who honored you, and Gehazi. Father, whatever place we find ourselves in today, God, I pray that you would show us how to take that next step, how to go to that next place, how how to be driven by something different today, Lord God. Maybe we've not been driven by anything that represents Jesus, but today, God, we could be driven by something that represents you. Lord, maybe we've never thought about where we should go in the Lord. Today we could think about that, God. Father, I pray for everybody in this room right now that you would help us to make a choice, that you would help us to make a decision. Lord, that you would help us to go into a new place, into a new dimension, into a new air, into a new understanding of who God is and what God is doing in our life. Help us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. We're praying for greater things. God, you, there's leaders in this room. There are teachers in this room. There's pastors in this room, Lord God. There are people in this room that are going to make a difference in the world, and we believe that. We're praying for that, Lord, and we commission them, and we say, go, Lord. But the first step is to say yes to Jesus and to start walking, God. Pray that you would help us to do our best, Lord, to keep going forward and to be guided by you, Father. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Keep your eyes closed for a second and your heads bowed. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. 
One of the most important decisions you're ever going to make is to follow him. Is it easy? No. Is it something that you're going to get everything that you want? No. But it's such an important decision today. If you're watching online and you're like, you know, I've never made this decision. Today is the day to make that decision. We do this every week at Convo. We want to make it as easy as possible. But we want you to start growing in your walk with the Lord. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.